Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Heavenly Father, we just honor you and we love you tonight. God, we just slow ourselves down. We surrender ourselves to hear your voice. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak clearly. Lord, that I would hear your voice, that you would guide my words. Lord, that I wouldn't say anything that doesn't line up with you and with your word. I just give you this class. I give you these ladies. I thank you that you're speaking directly, clearly to the areas of their heart, to their leadership, to their future, to their purpose, to their destiny, to their next season, to those that feel stuck. I pray, God, that you would speak directly to that area and that there would be an awakening. Lord, that there would be clarity that at the end of this eight weeks, that these ladies would be awakened to what's next. Father, speak to us. Make it clear for us. Open our spiritual eyes to see and to hear what it is that you're saying, what it is that you're doing, where it is that you're leading. God, that we would hear you. I believe that we are on the brink of something new for every person in this room. They're on the brink of a promotion, of a new season, of a new, a new change that is going to promote them into their next season. I pray, God, that there would be relationships that would be shed wrong, toxic relationships would be shed. Things that are holding us back from our next season would fall off in these next few weeks. God, I pray that you would speak boldness, a new level of authority, a new level of truth, that we would stand up and be women who walk in truth, who walk in the anointing, who walk in purity, who walk in holiness, and who make a difference on this earth for you. God, that we would no longer be complacent, stuck, insecure, struggling, but that we would be full of your spirit, confident women of God who lead our homes, lead our communities, lead our friends, lead in the workplace, lead in church, and see people's lives changed because of who you are inside of us. I thank you for it. I declare it, and I ask that it would be done in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. As I was praying and preparing, I just felt so led that over these next few weeks, so many of you are going to be promoted into a new season. Like, you're going to see it. Not just like in the spirit, you know? <laughs> you know how sometimes there's, you know, you get a prophetic word or something at a conference and it's like you're going to be promoted and it turns into you face this major trial and you're like, I'm being tested. And then all of your godly leaders are like, you're being tested because God's moving you to a new level. No, that's not what I'm talking about. That might happen, but that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is literally physically you're going to see something in your life come where you're going to go to a new level in your leadership if you want it. And today is International Women's Day. What a perfect day for us to start this class. God has called women to lead. Don't let anyone tell you any different, okay? Men are called to lead. God has placed men as the spiritual head of the home, but women are called to lead. I've never understood how a man says, I can't learn from a woman. And I'm like, do you have a mom? Like, <laughs> so women are called to lead. I lead alongside of Pastor Matt. He is the head, the spiritual head of our home, and he is the spiritual head of our church. But I lead alongside of him. And he hears me and respects me as a leader, as a mother, as a spiritual mom. Our churches and our communities and our places of work and our families need to see spiritual fathers and mothers working together in unity. They don't need to see the future is female. They don't, that's, that's feminism. The, the whole, the whole, the future is female, you know, women, women power, rah, rah. 
Look, I believe in women being empowered, but we work alongside the men of God. Let's empower each other and let's work together. Young men in our church, your sons in our church and your sons in our community need to see strong, godly, pure women. They need to look up there and see a strong, godly, pure woman and go, someday I want to marry somebody like that. I want to marry somebody like my mom. I want to lead alongside of a godly, strong woman. And the little, the young girls in, in, our, in our church need to see godly men and look up there and say, I admire the godly men that God has put in my life that are strong leaders that stand up for what's right, that stand for holiness. And God has called us to speak the truth in love. Look, God hasn't called you to be timid about what is right and what is true. I think God's awakening us as a people and awakening us as a women and as a, as a group to speak the truth in love. If you know something isn't right, speak up, say something. The people need to see People of God speak the truth lovingly with compassion. I just heard a leader say this week, correction without grace is just mean. I'll say it again. Correction without grace is just mean. But grace without correction is meaningless. And so we don't need to just fluff each other up all the time. And just that's not what a leader does. A leader is going to be your cheerleader. A leader is going to believe in you and support you and tell you you're doing great and you can do this and I believe in you and I'm going to fight right next to you and I'm going to slay some dragons with you and I'm going to do all the things that I can do to make you succeed. But a leader is also going to love you enough and be determined enough to see you succeed that they sit you down sometimes and go, babe, what's going on? Like Your attitude has been terrible. What is happening? I love you. What is going on? Let's talk about this. What's happening below the surface? And I don't want you just to acknowledge that about your leaders. I want you to be that kind of leader who's confident and bold enough and loving enough to tell your kids, to tell the women in your influence, to tell the women at your job. There's women in here of all, all of you are serving in some form of leadership. I know that. You either have a bunch of little ones at home that you're always corralling and leading, you lead in your, in your job. Some of you are managers and business owners. Some of you are, are leaders um, in your home, in the church. Some of you have, are, are, are leading inside of our church community. But in some way, whether you realize it or not, you are a leader. You wouldn't be here if you weren't. And so God is calling you to be that kind of leader that says, I spend enough time in the presence of God. I don't I don't do the five to check something off my list. I do those things because I hunger and thirst for the presence of God and his spirit to rest on me so that I can do all of these things that God's called me to do in day-to-day -day life, empowered by his spirit, anointed by him, so that when I sit down and lead in the workplace, counsel someone, manage, make decisions, leading in my home, making those tough decisions in the, in the home when you're burdened with the struggles of your kids or your husband or whatever it is, you have enough of his spirit on the inside of you that you just kind of stop and relax and just lean on him and go, okay, Lord, how do I do this? What do I say? Fill me with wisdom, okay? So all of you are in a position of leadership, but I believe by the end of this class, no matter if you're at this level or you're at this level, you're going to another level. So the goal at the end of this class is that you've spiritually gone up to another level in wisdom, in leadership, in boldness. I don't know why the Holy Spirit keeps bringing me back to that. Women, be confident in who God has called you to be. Walk in your authority. Walk in the holiness of God. Know who that you are in Christ. 
and then walk that out. Don't let people run, run over you. I'm not saying that we're going to walk around and be brassy, bossy women, okay? That's not what God's called us to be. At the very end of this class, we're going to get to Proverbs 31. We're going to talk about that woman real well. God's not calling us to be brassy, bossy, rough, hard to be around women. Obviously not. He's called us to be women who are full of grace, hospitality, and compassion, and love. But he's also called us to be full of truth, and love, and wisdom, and boldness, and confidence, okay? Know who you are. Know who you are. Say it. Say, I know who I am. Listen, and I wrote this down in my notes, and I, I'm, let me refer to it so I don't get it wrong, but acknowledge and celebrate where you're strong in leadership, okay? It's okay for you to acknowledge, I'm pretty good at that, okay? So I want you to take just a second and think about it. One, Think of one thing, the first thing that pops in your head that you're like, this is a characteristic of mine that, that is, makes me a good leader. One thing. Everybody got it? Raise your hand if you did not think of one. That's okay. It's, let's be honest. Raise your hands higher so I can see it. So now think about that one thing that you thought that makes uh, that one characteristic. I am proud of myself that I have that as a leader. Okay. Now I want you to, the next thought I want you to have is where did it come from? Did you do that? Did you make yourself that way? No. Did you, um, can you take credit for your pretty face? Can you take credit for your soft spirit? Can you take credit for the fact that you're a fast learner? Whatever it was that you thought of, you can't take credit for it. So there's no fear in being proud. You just think of the things that you are pleased with yourself about, you acknowledge them, you celebrate them, and then you go, God, thank you for that gift that you placed on the inside of me. And see, that's how we keep our minds right. That's how we stay confident and humble. We, we can be confident because we can look on the inside of us and see this shelf with all these beautiful gifts and beautiful jewels and beautiful things that God's given us, and we can go, man, God, thank you. I can use that for your glory. I can use that to lead. I can use that to touch people's lives. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, after we acknowledge and celebrate, we got to acknowledge and investigate. Okay. So now we got to go, okay, man, I, I, somebody tell me what your leadership quality was that you thought of in your head. Anybody? I'm nice. Bali's nice. Okay. So she acknowledged I'm nice. I'm friendly. I do well with people, and so that helps me be a good leader. So I'm going to make sure that I acknowledge and celebrate that. But then she needs to also stop and go, let me acknowledge and investigate the areas in me that need to grow. So as we go through Proverbs, it is really important, whether I read a verse out loud, and I don't know how far we're going to get tonight. Like, I'm just being led, because we have to lay a foundation here for your hearts to be healed and for your your mind to be right before we can ever get into anything else about being a leader, okay? Some inner healing needs to happen before we can do anything else. So, and that goes for everybody. All of us need some level of inner healing. Life is hard. I don't care how far along you are in God, the hits keep coming. I mean, life is tough, but we stay healed because we pursue inner healing constantly. And so what was I saying? investigate. Yes. So we're going to slow down and we're going to go, okay, as I'm reading these verses, I'm not going to read it and go, oh my gosh, she's so that way. 
No, we're going to read it and we're going to go, I'm so that way. Like, read this as a mirror. The Bible says that the, the Bible is a mirror. So look at it in the mirror. I don't want you to worry about anybody else right now. I don't want you to worry about anybody on your team or anybody in your house or anybody at work. Think about yourself as we go through this. And I'm doing the same thing. I'm reading these verses and I'm going, highlight, circle, work on, you know? So that is how we grow. That's how we get better. And so I want you to acknowledge and investigate. What is an area of my life that I lack in leadership? Do I lack in boldness? Do I lack in grace? Am I too harsh with my words? Am I too timid with my words? Am I unorganized? Am I, because for me, my natural thing that I appreciate about my leadership is that I'm naturally organized. I know that's a gift that I can offer and help other people with. But for you, you might go, man, I struggle to be organized. So then write that down and then think about how are some ways that I can practice and I can grow. And then this is another really key thing that I, I love that you guys are taking notes. This is awesome. I want Another key thing I want you to do is I want you to think about and, and um, identify people in your life who are strong in the areas that you're weak. And think about it. You know, for me, my mom is one of the, like, consistently kind and graceful people, consistently, all the time, people that I know. I mean, I've known her for 39 and almost 40 years. She's just kind and gracious. I kind of got my dad's side. <laughs> and I'm kind and gracious now because God's developed that in me. But growing up, I was a little, like, snappy at people and, like, sharp. And my mom would pray over me every night when I was asleep. When I was a little girl, she'd lay her hands on me and go, Lord, give her a quiet and gentle spirit. <laughs> Make her a great leader, but with a quiet and gentle spirit. <laughs> Because I was just kind of, you know, bossy and strong. And now I'm able to say, God, I appreciate that you made me strong. I had to be strong to lead a church alongside my husband. I had to be strong to be an armor bearer and a, and a caregiver to my pastor and mother-in-law until she went to heaven. I had to have certain strength in me to do the things that he's called me to do. Those of you who don't know me, I say this with great, great humility. But God has allowed me to lead international teams since I was 17 years old. I've been to over 20 countries leading international teams on mission trips. I've been to Asia and Africa and all over the world. And I don't say that to make you impressed with me. I'm saying God allowed me to have opportunities at a young age. And now I can stop and go, it's okay to be strong. It's okay to have that inner strength. But I had to develop the graceful side and the kind side. And I have to be careful with wisdom, how I word things, because I really just want to tell you straight. It's a lot easier to just tell you. I don't have to like waste my time with the fluff, you know, but I have to, I have to, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like him when I teach and when I share the gospel and when I coach and when I lead. Does that make sense? So Vanessa works closest with me out of anybody in here. She's like, with me in the trenches. She's my assistant. And sometimes, like, I appreciate with her, I can just tell her, no, I don't like that. Can you do it again? And I appreciate about that, that about her. But then I also catch myself and I'm like, I'm sorry, you did great. And I have to make sure that I'm coaching and leading in love and building up as well as speaking the truth. Okay. So we want to um, acknowledge and celebrate. And then we want to acknowledge and investigate.
All right. So continuing to lay the foundation. There's two things that we have to do in order to be successful in this class. And I know I'm laying like this, this I'm continuing to lay a foundation. We may not even get into the, the, um, the chapters of Proverbs tonight. But number one, we have to go into this class with humility and with a teachable heart. And I've already kind of hit on that, so I won't dwell on that. But if you come into this class with Holy Spirit, teach me, Holy Spirit, prick me, Holy Spirit, speak to me, I trust you. I trust you to take care of my heart. So say what you need to say to me. Teach me what you need to teach me. I want to be better. If that's your attitude all the time in life, especially in class and studying the word, you're going to grow. Okay. The next thing, so we got humility and teachability. But the next thing is that we have to acknowledge the importance of the basics. Okay. We can't get into Proverbs. We cannot dive into Proverbs unless we first understand the importance of the basics. Proverbs is a book that is full of the basics. It's, it's a book that was written to give wisdom. What is wisdom? Does anybody know the definition of wisdom? Wisdom is the proper application of knowledge. So you can know a lot of things. <laughs> Be a real dummy. <laughs> You know, and some of you just thought of somebody that knows a lot and you're like, they know a lot. She, they, they know a lot, but they don't properly apply that knowledge. And so they lack wisdom, you know, like, I don't know, what's, what's, what's something you, you do to lack wisdom just off the top of your head. Those of you who have kids or teenagers that do something dumb and throw, throw it at me. They don't shout. Okay, they don't shower. They know that that's a teenage boy. They know they're supposed to shower. They know it's good for them to shower and be clean and have personal hygiene. They don't wear deodorant. They throw their clothes under the bed and leave it there until it rots. You know, things like that. They know better, but they don't apply it. So they're just, they're not very wise, right? Proper application of knowledge. Okay, let's jump into Proverbs chapter one. Oh, and I was saying earlier, identify someone who is stronger, who is good at the things that you're weak at. And I want you to really practice that. Don't just think, don't just nod your head at me tonight and go, that's good. And then never do it. <laughs> think about it tonight, tomorrow, talk to your husband about it. Talk to your partner about it. Say, Hey, you know, I really struggle with being on time. Who's somebody that I know that is super reliable and what can I, who, who's someone that I can learn from in that area? Or I struggle with um, patience. patience. That's a great one. So who is somebody that I know that just is naturally so patient? Like they're never angry. They're never irritable. What, like find them and talk to them. Because I guarantee you, it's not just that they're naturally that way, but there's actually key um, practical things in their life that they're doing to maintain that sense of calm. I'm going to just start reading, okay? I'm going to keep going until I'm done. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is, okay, you ready? Get this. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. So I'm going to pause right there. There are a lot of people who are naturally gifted to be leaders, but they don't, they lack the discipline. I'm going to say this slower. There's a lot of people who are naturally gifted to be leaders, but they lack the discipline to apply the basics that it requires to be successful. Say it one more time. 
Some people are gifted, naturally, leaders. Some people aren't. Some people have to develop leadership. Everybody can be a leader. But they lack the discipline to apply the basics that it requires to be successful. So where it says their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, self-control, discipline in your life, discipline in, in, your, in your workplace, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. By exploring the meaning in these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. My child, listen, oh, let's see. Yeah, I'm gonna keep going. My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you, what you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. My child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. And then let me skip down to verse 20. Wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowd among the main street, to those gathered in the front of the city gate. How long will you insist on being simple-minded? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? Come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you and make you wise. I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice. You rejected the correct correction I offered. So I will laugh when you are in trouble. I will mock you when disaster overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster engulfs you like a cyclone, and anguish and distress overwhelm you. When they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me, they will not find me. For they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way, choking on their own schemes. For simpletons turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. But all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. What is the purpose of the book of Proverbs? To help you learn what is right, just, and fair. Okay, so that's the whole purpose of this whole book. Why wouldn't we study this book? I mean, if this book, if the whole purpose of the book of Proverbs is to teach us what is right, just, and fair, to teach us to have successful and disciplined lives, why wouldn't we want to study this book? If we apply the things that are in this book, we can do anything, right? Okay, so there's a key, a key point I want you to take from this first chapter. Look at Proverbs, look at chapter, I mean, look at verse 20 through 28, and tell me, it's talking about wisdom crieth out in the streets. She's out at the city square. Who is wisdom for? Everybody. I'll never forget one night Matt and I were laying in bed. Pastor Matt and I were talking. We were talking about it, and I go, we were talking about somebody who was really unwise and was making some unwise decisions, mostly because they weren't listening to counsel. Everybody around them was trying to help them make the decision, but they were determined to do it their own way. And we were talking about it, and I go, hey, what about that verse in Proverbs that says wisdom crieth out in the streets? Wisdom's walking through the streets, crying out. It's not some secret, 
um, incredibly hidden jewel treasure that you got to go like figure out the seven steps. Like, like what is that book? National, that movie, National Treasure. Like you don't have to go on this great quest to find wisdom. She's in the streets crying out. Hey, anybody who will listen, I'm here. Anybody who will listen, I'm right here in the city streets. So it's important that we know that wisdom is available to everybody. It's not as hard as we make it seem. In fact, you'll see as we study Proverbs, I don't know if you guys read these verses this week. Hopefully you did. But it talks about how wisdom is basically common sense. Like, did you guys read Proverbs chapter 5 where he's like, hey, don't go to the adulterous woman's house. (laughs) Wow, profound wisdom. Don't go to her door. Right? It's common sense. But we make it so complicated because we have such a strong will and that's why i want you to look at look at verse 29 through 20 through 33 you have a free will you can choose that verse right there talks about you can choose you can choose foolishness and and we do all the time why because we want to do it our way we just we want to do it our way. We don't want, if God or a leader or, or a scripture or something, a preacher on TV or something we heard on Caleb on the way to work, pricks us and tells us, I probably shouldn't do that. I kind of want to do that anyway. We just have a strong self-will. And that's where the discipline and the self-control comes in. And if we don't want to have the self-control and the discipline, then we're going to end up eating the fruit of living, the bitter fruit of living our own way. Okay? So it's available to everybody but everybody has a free will whether or not they want it, all right? All right, let's look at Proverbs chapter 2. Vali, would you read verses 1 through 11? Okay, I love this. So two things out of this that I want you to, that I want you to look at. The first one is, how do you gain wisdom? Look at those first few verses, and somebody tell me, somebody who hasn't answered yet, tell me, how do you gain wisdom? Yes, ma'am. By listening. That's good. Listening. What else? Listen to, she says, listen to what I say. Now, what about the second part of that verse? Okay, let's talk about that. Treasure my commands. Talk to me about that. What does that mean to you? To know them? Good. If you treasure something... Talk, think about something that you treasure in your protect life. It. You protect it. Make it a priority. Make it a priority. You, appreciate it. you appreciate it. You value it. You take care of it. You love it. You think about it all the time. I'm thinking about Gentry. Whoa. You think about it all the time. You protect it. You take care of it. What else? You honor it. You nurture it. So when it's how do you get wisdom? Listen to what I say. And treasure my commands. Don't just don't just take them flippantly. Don't just make it another thing. But value it. Treasure it. Meditate on it. Think about it. Hunger for more of it. Love it. Make it a priority. I love that she said that. Okay? How else? Keep going. Search. To, I'll look at the second verse. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. So... When we talk about meditating on the word, it's just concentrating on it. Hmm. I don't expect you to concentrate on all 66 books <laughs> and like know all the profound wisdom. Pick one. Pick this week's verse that I'm going to tell you is the verse of the week and concentrate on it throughout the day. Think about it. Don't just rush through your Bible reading and check it off your list and I'm done. I got to go to work. 
I would rather you meditate on one verse than read 17 chapters. If you concentrate on one and it transforms you, you've done more for yourself and for the people you're leading than if you, I read six, 66 books of the Bible today, or I read 40 chapters this morning. Well, good for you. How much did it change you? How much did it impact you? How much did it deposit down on the inside of you? Okay? Uh, look at the number three. What else, how else do we get wisdom? Cry out and ask. Man, just like, Lord, I need, I need help. I need your wisdom. I'm struggling. I lack wisdom in this area, and I need it. I don't know how to lead my crazy kids. I don't know how to do this with these, these staff. They're driving me crazy. Or I really want to, to be, I really want to develop a, a, a healthy, organized, successful team. Whatever it may be that you're trying to do, sit down and ask humbly. We're going to read later in Proverbs that it says he gives liberally to those who ask for wisdom. He isn't, like, you ask for wisdom and he doesn't give you a little nugget. He gives it to you liberally. He gives you a lot of it. Like when Southern women cook a meal or Mexican women cook a meal. Like we give you a lot of it and make sure there's plenty of leftover, right? Okay. And then ask for it. And then lastly, what is, what is, how about verse four? Search for it. So we just talked about how it's available to everybody, right? It's out there and it's available to everybody, but you still have to look for it. You still have to put action to it. It's like I said at the beginning of the class, you, the, the ball is in your court. You have to go, okay, I've asked. I've asked God for it. I'm valuing his word and concentrating on it. Now he's going to lead me. He's going to give me wisdom. He might tell you somebody to go sit down and have coffee with. He might tell you a book to read. You have to do the action to find the wisdom and the answers that you need. I'm reading a book right now about um, real estate investments. I'm excited to, I just recently started an Airbnb just, just a little under a year ago. And I love hosting and I love that it has become a business for me. It's just so exciting to me that I can do something I love and make money doing it. And God wants to plant ideas and vision inside of all of you to do the same thing or something different, something unique to you, something you're passionate about. What's something that you love to do, you're excited to do, you're passionate about? Think about that thing. God wants you to do that. He's not placing something inside of you that you're good at and that you like to do so that he can withhold it from you. He might withhold it from you for a season and for time to make sure you're ready, but eventually he's going to hand you something where you get to use, like for me, it's my gift of hospitality. It's my gift of hosting and organizing and that part of me, I get it just came alive in my Airbnb. It's like this perfect little business to use the things that I'm gifted to do. And so now I'm reading books. I want to learn wisdom on how to do better at that and how to invest wisely and all of those things. But when I go to bed at night, I don't always feel like picking up that book. I would rather scroll through Instagram, honestly. But I have to seek for it. I have to look for it like it's a treasure. I'm looking for the wisdom that's out there by these other godly men and women who have gone before me. Okay. All right. All right, you think we can do one more? All right, let's do it. Oh, I love this one. So let's go back to, to we're going to stay in chapter two real quick. 
and we're going to talk about what are the benefits of living wisely. Man, we need common sense, y'all, like for real. Like how many of y'all have ever seen videos of people getting on a treadmill and then falling on their faces because they started it on too high of a speed and didn't run? That's a lack of common sense, okay? We, we need common sense and we need, what was the other? Oh, protection. I love that. He guards and protects. So imagine yourself right now going out into life tomorrow and all the challenges that you're going to face and you're like, God's guarding me. Like, he's got me. I'm, he's got me. It might not feel like it. It might feel like that lady went off on me for no apparent reason. But God's got me and I am protected and I am guarded today. So tonight when you go to bed, I want you to meditate on that and think tomorrow when I wake up, I'm guarded and I'm protected as long as I'm listening to wisdom. Okay? Wisdom protects you. Wisdom protects us. I don't know how many times like I've watched people make terrible decisions and their life unravels and it wasn't because they didn't know better they just chose wrong they just decided it protects us and it guards us wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy how many of you need a little dose of joy yes wow wisdom and applying wisdom to our lives gives us great joy i love that okay protection again keeping us safe all right let's do some more let's go ahead to chapter three real quick Let's do some more benefits of living holy. Okay, so in this new living, it says, then you will find favor with both God and people and you will earn a good reputation. Man, how many of you could use a dose of that? Just a good reputation. Like people bring up your name and they're all, oh, she's such a, she's such a kind person. Or, oh, she's such a good person. Oh, she's so honest. Oh, I love her. I love being around her. She lifts me up. I love the feeling I have when I'm around her. She gives me peace. Why? Because you're listening to godly wisdom and you have the spirit of God on the inside of you. I love that one. Um, and I rely on that one. When I'm going through something, when I'm facing like a um, turmoil or what's the word I'm looking for? Um, conflict of any kind with, with anybody, outside or inside, wherever, like in the community. I always go back to that and I go, Lord, I trust you that you are going to protect my good reputation because I live upright and I do my best. I'm not perfect, but I do my best to live with integrity and with character. And so it's your job to protect my good reputation. I don't have to. Healing for your body and strength for your bones. Let's go back a verse to know, because we have to read it in context. Look, verse seven, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Joyful is the person. Joyful, joyful. Okay, keep going. Verse 16 and uh, 16. Okay. That's good. Riches and honor and healing. Man, delightful paths, satisfying, happiness. Man, <laughs> it might cost us a little something today. To make that wise decision, it might cost me today, but the benefits are going to far outweigh the price that it's going to cost me today to make the wise choice. Which one was that? That was 16 and 17. I'm sorry, 17 and 18. Okay, and last is 24 through 26. So more protection, more peace, more good sleep, more freedom from worry and fear and anxiety and just closing your eyes and knowing I made wise choices, so God's got me, and it's going to be okay. It might be, it might not be perfect today, 
but God's got me and he's going to take care of this. So the benefits far outweigh the cost when we make wise decisions. All right, we've got a few more minutes, so I'm going to go ahead and just real quick hit up Proverbs chapter 5. I'm not going to reread it. <laughs> so Proverbs chapter 5 and chapter 6 talks about what? The promiscuous woman. Basically, don't be the woman that Proverbs warns men about. <laughs> that sums it up, okay? Case closed. Closure. No, I'm just kidding. Listen, sexual purity is a very important thing that I cannot skip over. Society is telling you sexual freedom is the way to go. Sexual purity is legalistic. Sexual purity is being judgmental. Sexual purity is being um, too religious or too critical. I don't care who tells me it's legalistic. I don't care what the world says. I mean, I like to watch TV. I like to relax and watch my shows. And it's unbelievable to me how they are throwing immorality at us constantly. Oh, it's, it's my right to choose. It's my body. It's, it's, we're not animals. I'm just going to lay it out there, y'all. God did not create us for sexual freedom. God created us for sexual freedom in marriage. God created you to be married to one person and enjoy sex in your marriage. That's how he created us. And so when the world is bombarding you with impurity and the pressures of impurity and sexuality and you'd be better off not being modest, use your body, girl. Use, use that manipulation. Use what you've got. Work what you've got. No. God has called you to be beautiful and attractive and appealing to your husband, but not to the whole world and to every man that walks by. So... The reason why we protect our purity and the way that we dress and the way that we present ourselves, I'm just going to be real honest with you. On Sunday mornings when I know I'm going to be up on the stage, I'm really careful about what I wear. You should be able to dress attractively and be yourself and feel good about yourself, but still carry yourself and present yourself in a way that God can be proud of you as his daughter. And I'm going to use my dad as an example. My dad was so hard on me about this. Especially as I like started getting a little older. I was 5'10 in 8th grade. So like older boys were noticing me real early because I was so tall. People thought I was older than I was. And I would come, walk out the door, headed to youth group or headed to school or whatever. And my dad would go, uh-uh, go back and change. And that's all he would say. And I'm like, why? And he's like, uh-uh, go back and change. Raise your hands. And I would no, really raise your hands. And if my midriff showed, he's all, go change your clothes. You know how much I hated that when I was 14, 15, 16? Oh, I hated it. I would like, but now looking back, I appreciate that. He still let me feel beautiful and dress stylishly and wear jeans and heels. He wasn't like legalistic, but he taught me to respect myself so that men would respect me. And I have to hit on sexual purity and holiness and, and carrying ourselves this way because we're God's daughters. And if we're going to lead, we have to lead with sexual purity. And so be careful. Be wise. Don't. You might know somebody that you're trying to get the attention of at work and you're thinking about them a little too much in the morning while you're getting ready. 
that's that's a that's a little bit of a warning and a red flag. Or somebody's coming by and you're making sure that your shirt is a little lower than it should be. Y'all don't be mad at me, but I'm gonna, let's just go there. I'm a woman. I'm a woman, and so I know the tactics of us women. <laughs> like I know how it works. And I made mistakes before I got married, so I am not casting any stones or blame or casting any shame on any of you. I have been there, and God has redeemed me and and given me a successful 16-year happy marriage that is very pure, and I am happy with. But we have to be careful that sexual attention is not our goal. Attention for being a wise, godly, pure woman is our goal. I want men to come to me and go, hey, can I get your advice on something? I want men to respect me as a sister in, in, in the things of God. Does that make sense? And I'm going to go one, I'm going to say one more thing, and then I'm going to close. In the sexual purity, this is a practical thing. But wise leaders, women, you have to have boundaries. One of the things, there are some very practical boundaries. I'm going to let you peek behind the curtain to Pastor Matt and my marriage. And you might think this is legalistic. You might think, that's why do, that, why do y'all do that? Well, we've been successfully, happily married for 16 years. We've been through it. And I've actually had people tell me, well, but y'all don't have kids. So y'all haven't been through that struggle. I'm like, yeah, but y'all, we went through the struggle of not having kids and stayed together happily. And so we've been through a lot together, and we are happily married. And there are some very key things that other pastors taught us that we applied to our lives. Number one, we have time together every week, a date day or a date night every single week. And sometimes it's the catch-all. We work together. We live together. We lead together. Our house, we're always talking about church. I'm like, can we not talk about church tonight, please? (laughs) But on Friday, we turn it all off and we focus on each other. Nobody has access to him and nobody has access to me. And we love and give each other each other that day or that evening or whatever it is. Now, this one, y'all might not like. Pastor Matt and Pastor Jen are never alone with anybody of the opposite sex behind closed doors. You will never find me counseling a bro in an office with the door closed. Another thing, we never ride, we never sit in a parked car alone with anyone of the opposite sex. Well, why? Because we learned from pastors who have been pastoring for 40, 50 years. Don't do that, guys. It's not wise. Somebody might see you and say something. Somebody might think you're up to something. We're protecting and guarding our reputation as leaders. Pastor Matt doesn't go into an office and close the door and lay hands on anybody, any woman, okay? <laughs> there are pastors who do that. If, you're, if, if, if he did that to you, please come tell me. <laughs> he wouldn't, though. <laughs> he wouldn't. So I'm saying all of this to say that there are boundaries that you set. Like if a man comes to my house and knocks on the door and is here to visit Matt and Matt's not home, he doesn't come in my house and I don't close the door. He just doesn't. It's a rule. My parents taught us that. His parents taught us that. And when we were younger, we were like, That's, why? Like, we don't need, but we applied it and it's protected us. Wisdom protects us from somebody leaving my house and saying, Pastor Jen, put a, put a move on me. <laughs> like, how would I ever, like, no, I didn't. And then it's me against him, you know? You just never know. And you have to protect your reputation by using wisdom, Okay. Um, 
so I want to pray, but before I close, I want you to know that that last little speech about sexual purity, please hear my heart. I have been there and I have made my mistakes and there is no shame and no guilt in whatever has happened up until this point. Look, I know y'all's stories. Some of you, I know exactly what you've been through and some of you, I know kind of what you've been through. And everybody in this room, we all have something in common. We have our stories. And we've all, the other thing that we all have in common is that we're still here. We're still faithful. We're still serving God. We're still pursuing him. And I'm going to tell you something. There might be moments in this class where I say something or Proverbs says something that's a little bit of a trigger or a little bit of a prick. And that's okay. Because what we're going to do is, like Pastor D said, is we're going to take that toxic thing, that prick, and we're going to bring it up. And we're going to take it to God and we're going to trust him. We're his daughters and we're going to trust him that he's going to heal that thing. So if anything that I said tonight kind of made you like, I would really rather crawl under the couch right now than talk about this. That's okay. Here in the next few minutes, I want you to, to sit in that uncomfortable place. Don't push it away. Don't make it go away. Don't just run from it. Because that's what I do. I run when things are hard or, or I just I just like, get me out of town. So don't run from it. Just sit in it for a minute and let God take whatever that is. It might be that you still need to offer that sin or that mistake to God, or it might be that you need to let the shame of that thing go because God's already forgiven you. Or it could be the shame of what someone else did that's affecting you. You're ashamed of what someone else has done or, or the decisions that they have made and it's affecting you and you feel like you carry that as your story. Like, you feel like you have a backpack on your back, and it's like, man, they gave me this dumb backpack, and now i got to live my life with it. No, you don't. One thing I know about God is he can heal and he can restore anything. The fact that I'm sitting here teaching y'all tonight is a testament. that He is a restorer and a miracle worker. Okay? So you're going to be okay. God's got you, and he's going to heal you. He's going to restore you. Okay? All right, let's pray.